Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. The Robed Rebel. The Robed Rebel. Nice. All right. Well, we are back. I'm going to read both chapters six and seven for context. And I'm even going to dip into chapter eight because of um, the way that it kind of concludes. Um, it kind of concludes the, the passage. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked and behold a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge, you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit. When it's shaken by the gale, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the Kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who was seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand after this saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea saying, do not harm the earth of the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this, I looked. 
And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm trees in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the angels, and around the elders and around the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the angel, one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in, with his presence. They shall hunger no more, no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brother Jeff, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege of coming before you with your open word. We were not owed an explanation, uh, particularly of the deep and powerful truths in this book. Um, but we were not owed an explanation of even your basic requirements of us. But you so graciously have told us everything we need for life and godliness in your book. Um, and we are so immensely grateful for the, the grace and the favor that you have lavished on us simply by revealing yourself to us by uh, by making yourself accessible in that way. And, and we know that in, in so doing that you have uh, that, that you have condescended, not, not unlike um, the way you did in your incarnation. Where, where uh, your son, who uh, was the word who had preexisted uh, all flesh and and all humanity, uh, condescended to be contained within. Uh, 
not just one body, but at one point, one zygote. And, uh, and in the same way, we know that, that you uh, condescend to speak to us in your word, uh, making the divine speech intelligible as human speech. Uh, and, uh, and yet, as, as with the incarnation of your son, losing none of its divine glory. So we approach your word in humility, understanding the extent of the divine glory with which we grapple. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to handle it rightly, um, that you would uh, have have mercy on us by helping anything that we say that is incorrect or incomplete to fall away and not be remembered or latched onto by our hearers, uh, but that anything that we say that is your very speech, that you would help it to not only be heard and understood, but loved and treasured all the more deeply by ourselves and our hearers at this time. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, to your glory and for our benefit. Amen. And all the angels, um, and all the angels st who were standing or, or who stood is that it's a blue perfect. So it's like the who had been standing. Pluperfect is very rare. So rare that it, it trips up almost every Greek student. Um, it, but it's the idea of like who had been standing. Um, so the angels who were standing, who had been standing, uh, encircling the throne and the presbyters, the elders, and the four living creatures, the four zoon, the, the living ones, um, was it uh and all the angels uh who have been standing and circling the throne and around that they and they um and they fell down a pesan they fell down before or in the eyes of enopion has the the sense of in the eyes of sometimes before the throne uh and uh Uh, let's see. And before and upon the faces of them. So before the throne and upon their faces, their prosopos, their faces. Um, and they worshiped God. They, 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 uh, they worshiped God or pr literally prostrated themselves to God saying, amen. Uh, and then there's a list of seven words. So you've got their, their praise is amen. The blessing one and the glory two, and the wisdom three and the Eucharistia, the Thanksgiving and the honor to may and the power dunamis and the strength iscus to our God. Uh, into the aeon of the, the age of ages or forever and ever. Amen. So all of this be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
They praise him with seven. Uh, there's the sevenfold um, praising, which is a common theme, uh, of course, throughout this book. There, this is to 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 just keep praises upon the God who saves. And I and I want to point out that the, the it's the angels who say this, right? It's the angels uh, who are standing around, who are standing around the throne and around the elders and around the four living creatures. It's not those three things. It's not those three things. It's the ones who are standing around those three things, right? Yes. And this is, I think, another instance where we find um, that observation from Peter, right? Where this is this this the election of God, this which is what the ceiling on the foreheads is, is a matter about which the angels long to see. Like they they love like this is something that fascinates the angels. The 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 both the not not I wouldn't say the subject of it. Although that's a fascinating subject, you know, studying the, the, the subject of election, but it's the act of it, the act of choosing of God, choosing and saving and bringing to, uh, to their victory, bringing to victory, uh, the chosen of God and they, and the angels, uh, just love this so much. It's such a it's such a um an, an amazing thing. Like uh it should also bring to mind um Luke um it would be fifteen, where the, the lost sheep and how ah, there's yeah. greater rejoicing in heaven over one uh one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous ones. That this is what something that the angels the angels celebrate and rejoice over every elect one brought in and here we have an innumerable multitude and so of course they shower praise on on the 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 god who does it um even as the 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 ones who are saved do the same right the ones who say are saved uh praise you know god saying salvation be to our god and then the angels pile on glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor power and strength and I, and I know i missed one blessing and blessing i missed the very first one um upon their god and to um uh forever and ever into the age of ages um forever and ever and and this is um once again sort though i'm gonna say this once again the sort of thing that you would see at the end of a battle you've got the ones who came out of the battle praising uh, or, or, you know, praising the lowercase P, um, the one who brought them through it. And also, you know, the, the, uh, the wives and children and the non-soldiers back home praising the King who brought them through the battle, you know, as they return home. And so you've got like, this is, this is also, I think reminiscent of the end of a warfare, you know, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we've heard from, we've heard from the angels, we've heard of the multitude and it says, and, and then, um, one of the elders, um, uh, one of the elders, it says, uh, he answered, although it usually has kind of the sense of, of, you know, addressing, uh, he answered and said to, he answered, um, saying to me, who 
are the ones dressed in white. Um, are the ones dressed in white? Who are they? And uh, where are they? And and uh, from where do they come? From whence do they come? Who are they? And from whence do they come? So this is the question he asks them. He says, "Okay, we've been puzzling over this number. Who are they? And where have they come from?" Um, and and, and this is uh, uh, you know, this of course is the question, right? Like it is the question. Who is this host? Um, who are they and where do they come from? Um, and I answered him, Lord Courier, uh, Courier of Courier Mu, my Lord, you know. So he addresses this, this elder respectfully. Um, and, and, uh, and he says, and I said to him, or, and he said to me, sorry. And he said to me, these are, uh, the ones coming out of the affliction or the tribulation, uh, the and specifically the tribulation, the great one. So these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Um, and they have washed their robes and they have washed their robes and they have, uh, and whitened them in the blood of the lamb. Um, and for this, because of this, Diatuto, because of this, for this reason, um, they are before the eyes, uh, bef they are before the throne of God. So, and, and, and they worship and serve him day and night in his temple. So, um, but let's, let's just take it first. I think that that first phrase that's important is that the, these are the ones that, first of all, these are the ones who, um, who've come out of the great affliction. Um, Matthew Henry makes an interesting observation at this point though. Uh, and he says this, what's interesting is this is an elder, one of the pastors. And we find in this case, a pastor teaching an apostle, which is, uh, somewhat interesting. Um, so he says, if, you know, he makes a, he makes kind of a point of like, so if an apostle can be taught by a pastor, no matter how lowly, um, then so can you. It was kind of a little, a little thing to like people who are like, maybe you think your pastor is not great, but you know what? In this case, uh, a pastor had the, the gall <laughs> had to had the, uh, the audacity to teach a apostle. So, so can you be taught by your pastor? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, that was, that was just a, a funny little, little thing. Um, but yeah, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. So what does that mean? <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, first, first of all, I mean, it is interesting. John himself, maybe should have known this because they're wearing their white stoles and he saw how they got them, which was that they were violently killed yeah. in chapter six. Yeah. Um, it, these might not be the same people, but this explanation makes it seem like maybe they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, may, maybe like they're it. even, maybe they're even coextensive. Yeah. Um, well, I think probably what you're going to see that what threw, what probably threw them off is the fact this is a, a group from every tribe, tongue, language, yes. nation, and and if 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 I'm if if I'm correct, 
and this is looking toward a term a tribulation that happens in the land and that would be a little unexpected that this would be a much larger group than just jews like this would be a, a larger group of the persecuted ones than just the jews and i think there's a sense in which it throws him off and i think for a reason that if he says it, they came from the great tribulation but the great tribulation is not going to have an innumerable number of dead believers if, if, if the great tribulation is limited to um, the thing that happens in the land. And so I, I, I think this is a sense in which we can see that like um, the phrase great tribulation should maybe be meant is, is kind of taking on a larger connotation. I think this is where the idealist okay. has a lot of room to speak here is that well, it takes on a larger, yeah, of course I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, a, it's taking on a larger uh, connotation than just the persecution that's going to happen in the land. And I think there's a sense in which, like, I think um, from this, we can sort of see that although we're not going to down talk, we're not going to talk down what happened to that land, nor is it, are we moving out of that being the main context to say that, to, that like, like, like he's being told there are not going to be just one persecution. There's not going to be just one tribulation. There's still going to be, there's going to be lots of, of afflictions, you know, cause that's what tribulation means. There's an affliction, oppressing. There's going to be a lot of these going on throughout the history of the church. And, and, um, and you're going to find people who, who are brought into this multitude, um, who don't just speak Greek and Hebrew and, and Latin, but who speak Chinese and who speak Arabic and uh, who speak English and who speak, you know, various African dialects, you know, you're going to find uh, persecuted ones from all around the globe who are going to be joining this, this massive multitude. And I think there is, there is a sense in which like uh, there is kind of a futuristic tint tint to this, I think. That there is something of like, what's about to happen is terrible, and um, but 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 we're gonna keep them from, uh, we're gonna seal them to protect them from uh the judgment, um, even though that doesn't mean they're not going to give their lives for this, because I think this is another thing that we need to remind everyone is that they are sealed, as in they held back the wind that the tribulate the 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 affliction until the full number was brought in. But that doesn't mean that they're going to keep them from tribute, that they're not going to suffer, that there's going to be no suffering for these people. If they're dying in the tribulation, then that means there's a number of them. They come out of that tribulation um, and they have washed their robes white uh, in the blood of the lamb. And, and so this is, um, is this merely a reference to salvation or I think it's, it's, it's gotta have that sense of like the blood and the blood of the lamb, washing your robes in the blood of the lamb seems like it's more than just a reference to, you know, Jesus paid it all to him. I owe, but that there's a, um, there is a sense of which you're dying the same type of death. He died as a martyr's death. Um, 
And because of this, they are before the throne and they worship him in his temple and uh, or, um day and night in his temple. Um, that there's, there's a special relationship that those who, who specifically gave their lives for the, in defense of the gospel um, or, or for their um, love of the gospel. And of course we know that 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 happened in massive numbers in the days of Polycarp and Irenaeus, that, that massive numbers of Christians um, did give their lives for, for the gospel and they have a special place in heaven. You know, there's, there's a, they, they receive and deserve an honor greater than I will, because unless things dramatically change. I'm, I'm most likely not going to be giving my life for my faith in, 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 in the United States of America, unless something dramatic changes, obviously it could possibly happen. I don't anticipate it, but they, they deserve and receive a greater commendation than I do. And they just for, you know, they deserve it. I have a better chance of uh, getting a high commendation than you do. Is that what we're saying here? No, uh, no, Alberta will be fine after they, after they secede from yeah, yeah. Canada. Alberta's secession will, will put us in a pretty good, pretty good spot. I think. Yeah. In fact, uh, if, if depending on how you pull that off, you guys might, uh, Alberta might replace my, my current nation for my SHTF plan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fleeing to Alberta might be a, a good place to go. Um, uh, you might not have to flee. We might, we might just go, <laughs> what? No, we've always been shaped this way. I don't know what you're talking about. That's um, right. That's right. I would gladly join up with you in the, in the breakup of Canada and America. Um, but, but I do think, but I think the big thing that I've been pointing out so far is that, is that there is a, and I think that we've been kind of gesturing toward is there is while the number we think it should probably connect this is the same group. Yet, I think there's also a sense in which we can also see them as the same group at different periods of time. So you've got 12 Kiliads, 12 groups of 12 Kiliads, 12 armies on the earth. And then I look and behold, I see this massive innumerable number of people who have come from the great affliction, the great tribulation who've been brought out, who've washed their blood, their, their, their garments white. That, um, to put it, to put a theological term on this, that may be the difference between the first part of chapter seven and the later part of chapter seven isn't between Jew and Gentile, but is between church militant and church triumphant. Yeah. In the first part, you've got the churches in armies going to war. And in the second part, we have the church at rest. That's why, why one of my favorite songs uh, is um, uh, is um, what is it? Oh my god, I'm blanking on it. I, I can hear the tune. Oh yeah, I know that. The church is one foundation. The church, the church is one foundation. The church is one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. You've got that that verse where it says, um, uh, and then the church victorious will be the church at rest. Uh, and, and the first part is amid trials and tribulations and tumult of her war, of her war. She waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Uh, and, and so there's there's this, I, I just, I think it's one of the most rich hymns ever written. Um, 
uh, it's it's funny. I kept forcing my church to to sing it when I was a worship leader, and none of them got it. I was like, just wait, sing it a few more times. <laughs> like, just sing it a few more times. You'll start to get it. And every time they're like, okay, I get it now. Like, because because it's it's once you like the there's just such rich doctrine to it. Like, yeah, you've got that, that and that beautiful hope that um even though you know what is it there um by by schisms rent asunder by heresies oppressed. Um, yet she on earth hath union with God, the three in one. There's this, I love this, this, the tension of the song that we are simultaneously united to God through Christ. And yet we are on earth ripped apart. And yet we all look toward the consummation of peace forevermore. And we are, and there's this promise. And I think in these verses, there is that the promise that those, yeah, the martyrs, but also all of us will be part of that number. Um, one day when we come through the trials and tribulations of this, uh, you know, the, the, as, as Shakespeare said, that the thousand shocks, this, uh, flesh is heir to, you know, that, that we things that, that we, once we shuffled off this mortal coil, we get to join this innumerable host, uh, who are finally at rest and they stand and they're able to worship God day and night. And by this, we should all, we should expect to see this is a metaphor because obviously there's no night in heaven uh, It's to say all the time. It's a, it's a, it's a phrase to, to connotate. They worship him constantly um, in his temple. Um, and uh, yeah. And the one sitting on the throne, he will, I love this. And then I love this, this next phrase too. And the one sitting upon the throne, that's uh, uh, Kai. Um, what is it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it on the screen and Kai Kathenatos, uh, or Kathemenos and the one sitting upon the throne, ske, uh, epautus at skene, that word, you know, um, it gives English translators uh, <laughs> a little bit of a headache, but I think it's so beautiful because that word, that's that word for to spread his tent over them or will tabernacle over them. And I think right. especially with the parallel to the, as is a parallel phrase to the, and they, they worship him day and night in his temple and he spreads his tabernacle over them. That's saying that they worship in the very presence of God. The temple and the tabernacle are two, two uh, phrases for the very presence of God. And, and of course, they're metaphorical. We can't say there's not actually a temple in God in heaven, but there is. But but in the very presence of God, the reward for their war is the ability to stand before him and praise him in his very presence, near his presence, in his presence and spread over him their presence, his presence. Um, and of course, you know, that, that word, um, within within his presence. Yeah. Within his presence, with his, yeah, his presence covering them, spread over them. Yeah. Um, and this, this temple imagery, by the way, is going to show up a lot through the rest of this letter. Um, it starts yes. here, Je- Revelation seven, but it'll come up again in chapter 12, 13, 21. It's going to, it's going to come up a lot as we go on f- 
in the future as we move through this let uh this letter of the apocalypse um but also famously that is the word in john 114 where it says uh jesus and the and the word became flesh and skenade among us he you know sometimes like some i remember the 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 fluffy fluffy liberals at college you know like to make a big deal out of like he pitched his tent among us um because and, and they're like this is about this is, a, this is what, why we need to have a ministry philosophy of incarnation you know which i found so dumb um but because i didn't they never actually explained what it meant it was just it was i don't know but um but that word doesn't it's not to be tab it's not that he pitches tent in some general tent of like a sense of like okay yeah he he you know he he got himself a tent and and lived in our and encamped with us no it's the 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 phrase is for the he tabernacled among us he was this is this should be parallel seen as parallel to matthew where where the angel says he will call him emmanuel for he will be god with us the presence of god with us in christ and of course, it's a huge theme throughout the whole book of, of John is that Jesus is the presence of God among us. Um, and, and, and this is where, yeah. Th- and, and so then this is the tabernacle is now spread over all of those who were washed in the blood of the one who tabernacled among us. So, so once again, you know, this is a, uh, you know, Christ came down bearing, you know, in the same way that the high priest was dressed in clothes that were made of the same material of the tabernacle and walked among the the uh, walked among the people, bringing the presence of God among the people. And then he bore the stones with the names of Israel and brought them, therefore brought the people before the presence of God into the tabernacle. In the same way, Christ came down among us, bearing the presence of God, bringing the presence of God with us, bringing the tabernacle presence among us. And then here he brings us into the presence of God, um, you know, first in prayer. And now whenever we, when, when we come to eternity, when we're welcomed back into the presence of God, um, once we've passed, um, yeah. and, And the language here is from God's promise to restore the house of Israel in Ezekiel 37. Yes. Um, as well. he, he, he says, he says there, I will establish my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. And my catasconosis, <laughs> my, 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 the, the my, my yeah. tabernacle, uh, shall be over them and my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're going to get a lot more of this passage later. <laughs> uh, and by later, I mean much later, uh, yeah. the end of the book, basically. Um, uh, but. Uh, oh, interestingly, but, yeah. yeah, I didn't even see the 28. The nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
so so yeah yeah the, yeah the the nations the gentiles the ethne they they will they will recognize that i am yahweh who sanctifies israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and so, um, so yeah, the restoration, the the restoration here is is a a restoration, a restoration of Israel and the bringing in of the nations into the promise, but not the way it was expected (laughs) at the time where the, where it was expected that national ethnic Israel would be, would be restored. And then they would finally, finally by accepting their Messiah, but, (laughs) but through the, through the, victory of their messiah they would finally finally um be that light to the nations that they were always supposed to be mm-hmm. uh and the nations would come in um but uh instead um if anything it's well depending on your reading of romans 11 <laughs> it's I was the other I was about to go yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. It's, it's potentially the other way around. It seems yeah. like it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. There is a reversal that happens that, that Paul brings out in, in Romans nine through 11. And, and this is the, the, the thing that happens is that um, God, by redeeming, by passing over Israel, hardened Israel goes out to the nations and brings them in. And then we are brought in and, and, and engrafted onto the, the olive tree, which olive tree, I, I believe to be representing the people of God, um, not, um, not the church, um, but the people of God actually to Israel, I think it should be considered. Um, but we are grafted into Israel and the branches of unbelieving Israel are cut off. But he says the reason, don't get arrogant about this, is that you're doing it for a purpose. The reason you're doing this is because you are to make them jealous in order that you might be a light to them. So that when the full number of the Gentiles are brought in, then, uh, and I do take this as an understanding, as, as an ender, as a, as, as a, Oh, sorry. I adjusted the wrong direction as a post-millennialist. I do take that as a reference to an, a toward the end of time, uh, in, in massive embrace or, uh, bringing in of, of Israel is that through the church being the light, shining the light among the nations, the way Israel was meant to the, the reverse will happen and Israel will be once again restored. In, in a massive way. So this is where I actually agree with the dispensationalists. I just don't agree that it'll happen in a seven year tribulation period um, or in a, or in a millennium that will come after that tribulation period. Well, um, given, yeah. given the tribulation started in the second century BC, I would agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the abomination that brings desolation uh, yep. was in the second century BC. And we've been Although, in the tribulation yeah. 
<laughs> I would say eighty seventy is the tribulation that we're referring to now. But I, I, there's a there's a sense in which I strongly agree. Um, <laughs> but, but I think the, another, but specifically Daniel's great tribulation yeah, yeah. starts. True, in, true, true. Starts in the second century. And so, so in, in that way, I think we can say that both that the preterist should be an idealist in a sense to say that there is, and I think this passage is bringing is leading us to do that very thing. This isn't just us splitting the the difference because we can't pick between one or the other. It's because I think the idealist is right in the sense of as a secondary application of the preterist reading, because I, and I think this passage is actually saying, this is why I'm, I'm taking this passage to say this is, is that they're saying there's a bigger group brought through the great tribulation Wait, I thought we were. About, I thought it was going to happen soon. I thought judgment was going to happen soon. Why are we seeing this massive Gentile collection from people coming out of the Great Tribulation? Well, the Great Tribulation happened before. Uh, Daniel Daniel was predicting, I believe, Antiochus Epiphanes. That's that Great Tribulation, the Great Tribulation that's told of in the Book of Maccabees, um, which I believe to be historically relevant, but not scripture. Um. And then there's the great tribulation that Jesus again predicts and by which he's, he's using the language of Daniel, not because he didn't think that Daniel's prediction came, came about already, but because he's saying, and in the same way that Antioch Epiphanes did these things, you're going to see the same sort of thing happen when the temple is destroyed at the end of these 40 years, at the end during, within this generation. And the fact that we have another large multitude coming from the great tribulation, I think is, is showing that there's going to be lots of abominable desolations going on. There's going to be lots of antichrists in the same way that John said, you hear antichrist is coming. I'm telling you, there are many antichrists among you. Like John, I think was there hinting at it to us. Like, yes, there is a antichrist coming um, in AD 70. Uh, <laughs> but, there are many, or sorry, no, eighty sixty six. Sorry, let me get specific here. Okay, uh, <laughs> but there are always going to be antichrists. There are always going to be people who are antichrists. We are not, you know, hating. It's true. There is one antichrist. I believe the antichrist that I was pointing to in history was Nero. Putting my cards on the table there. But even so, there are stop. We don't stop hating the antichrist because Nero executed himself <laughs> we don't stop hating the antichrist because the antichrist is passed out of there will always be yeah. antichrist there will be always he, he those little wound and he keeps coming back anyway yeah and i think that, that's I where mean, he was yeah well, yeah absolutely spoilies but that's where we're yeah that's that's what we're going to learn about yeah absolutely <laughs> about the beast the, the yeah. beast keeps coming back yeah and so in the same way there are going to be lots of great tribulations there's not just one there are going to be lots of times of persecution throughout the, the, the life of the church. There's going to be lots of places where the gospel through comes in through uh, great turmoil. There's going to be places where the gospel comes in and wipes it through it like, like wildfire. Like, yeah, there are places where the gospel takes over with, with almost like, almost like no opposition. It just comes in and everybody accepts it. That's going to happen too, but there are going to be lots of places where that's not the case. And there's going to be places where the gospel used to reign and then will become persecuted, like happened in China and Japan, um, like, like, like happened in the West, 
and there's going to be uh, there's going to be great tribulations all the time, but there's the same promise for all of them. The two promises that one, God will judge the nation based on how they treat the Christians. If we are the seed, then the promise of Abraham, the, they will, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you then passes to us. How a nation treats Christians. God will judge that nation based on that. Which I'm not talking about a state. I mean the nation. The people uh, that that occupy a a a, a, ge- a geographic space. That's going to happen throughout all of history. And the other promise is that those who come through those tribulations, those who come through, namely with their faith intact, will will be covered by the presence of God, and can worship Him. Um, I think another passage we should look at with this with this in mind is Isaiah four. In the day, in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. And verse five and six is the key. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies, a cloud by day and smoke and shining of a flaming fire by night for over all the glory. There will be a canopy. There will be a a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. So once again, covered by the presence of God. Um, and, and, and there's a cleansing involved there too. So, um, yeah. And then, and then we have this, this next part. Um, and, um, I've I've lost all sense of verse numbers. I don't have verse numbers on my notes. I think it's uh oh it's verse sixteen. There we go. Um, and they will no hunger, and they will hunger, uh, and they will what's it? And they will not hunger any longer. Neither will they thirst. Still, nor will um, nor shall the sun fall upon them. I think that's or, uh, the sun fall upon them. Neither, uh, neither any burning heat because the lamb, um, because the lamb, the one in the midst of, uh, sorry, the lamb, the one in the midst of the throne, um, he will shepherd them poi poi mane poio men this, this sometimes it's, it's rendered like he will lead them but no the word is he will shepherd them he will shepherd them and he will got lead them or guide them to springs of living waters or to literally to living springs of water i like that like that that's the order in the greek to living springs of water and um and he shall was and then sorry and he will wipe and god will wipe away all tears every tear from their eyes 
So there's some there are some prophetic citations here that are massive, um, massively important. Um, the uh, basically it's a direct quotation of um, Isaiah forty nine Isaiah forty nine ten, almost a direct quotation, almost and, direct, and then also Psalm one twenty one five and six. So kind of a hybrid of those two passages. Um, do you have them handy? I have Isaiah forty nine, and I was pulling up Psalm one twenty one okay. as. If you want to read that for us, you could, we could hear them. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll back up to verse eight. Okay, sure. Um, so should I? Yeah. Um, well, okay. Uh, it, just for a little bit of context, I'll back up to verse seven. So, um, this is what Yahweh, the protector of Israel, their holy one, says to the one who is despised and rejected by nations, a servant of rulers. Kings will see and rise in respect. Princes will bow down. Because of the faithful Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen. This is what Yahweh says. At the time I decide to show my favor, I will respond to you. In the day of deliverance, I will help you. I will protect you and make you a covenant mediator for people mm. to rebuild the land and to reassign the desolate property. You will say to the prisoners, come out. And to those who are in dark dungeons, emerge. They will graze beside the roads. Mm. On all the slopes, they will find pasture. They will not be hungry or thirsty. The sun's oppressive heat will not beat down on them. For one who has compassion on them will guide them. He will guide them to springs of water. And that's the end of the direct mm. quotation. Or the... Yep almost direct yeah <laughs> and i i made it i made it a little less by because i switched translations but um uh i made it a little less little less obvious but you can still see it um where it's just a a bit of a mixed up it's just he sort of moves around clauses that's it um he he basically takes three of the clauses from that passage and puts them in a different order um here is 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 all that uh is all that we're doing here um mm -hmm. because here he says yeah they will never go hungry or be thirsty again um and the sun will not be down on them nor any burning heat and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes which is at the end, maybe, maybe <laughs> at the end for the, for Yahweh consoles his people and shows compassion to the oppressed. Um, but then you have Psalm 121, which 
you all know because it's the one that starts. <laughs> I lift my eyes up to the hills yep, yep. from whence my help comes. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But then it says, maybe you don't realize, may he not allow your foot to slip. May your protector not sleep. Uh, look, the one who guards you, O Israel, let's say, does not sleep or slumber. Yahweh is your protector. Yahweh is the shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. Yahweh will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. Yahweh will protect you in all you do now and forever. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and this, 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 but this is assertion of, 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 uh, of tears ending of, of, um, uh, of hunger and thirst being no more of, uh, but, but I think that was so fascinating to me is that, that little phrase, I find that really fascinating. That little phrase of like, and the, sh and the sheep, the lamb, the one in the midst of the throne shall shepherd them. The lamb shall shepherd them. Like the lamb becomes the shepherd. Isn't yes. that, a, I think that's so fascinating. Like the, well, that, that'll turn a phrase there. Um, I think it's such a, a fun little, reversal i don't think too much about you know the, the lamb the one who sh the great shepherd is the lamb who was slain you know? yes and um and uh i think i think this is the reverse then of um Okay, well, let's just, so Ezekiel 34, then wow. the word of Yahweh came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and tell them that this is what uh, the Lord God says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed only themselves. Should not the shepherds feed their flock? Mm -hmm. You eat the fat, Wear the wool and butcher the fattened sheep, but you do not feed the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bound up the injured, brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. Mm. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild beasts. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. They were scattered over the face of all the earth with no one to search for them or seek them out. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of Yahweh. As surely as I live, declares the Lord God, because my flock lacks a shepherd and has become prey and food for every wild beast, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but fed themselves instead. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of Yahweh. This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I am against the shepherds and will demand from them my flock and remove them from tending the flock so that they can no longer feed themselves. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I myself 
will search for my flock and seek them out. As a shepherd looks for his scattered sheep when he is among the flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places to which they were scattered on a day of darkness, on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples. Interesting reference. <laughs> I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and all the settlements of the land. I will feed them in good pasture, and the lofty mountains of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in a good grazing land. They will feed in, a, in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bind up the broken, and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd them with justice. Uh, let me see if there's something else relevant to this. Yes, uh, I'm just going to skip a little uh, for time. Then in verse 23, he says, I will appoint over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them and be their shepherd. I, Yahweh, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Um, and I think that is... All I want. So, how can it both be his servant David and Yahweh doing it himself? Mm -hmm. It's the Yahweh born of David. You're right. Who's right, going right, to do right. it? Um, yeah. And and so I think there's a there's a a big sense in which here Revelation seven is. Um, is now emphasizing from the reverse angle. So in Ezekiel 34, it's emphasizing, I, God, will shepherd my own people. And it's, and it's emphasizing the... Um, it's emphasizing the transcendence transcendence if you will that that he can't trust the shepherds so he's going to do it himself um and it's almost coming from the other angle and emphasizing the imminence here not only in that it's emphasized over and over again how he's among these people but so much so that it's a lamb doing the shepherding so in ezekiel 34 the surprise is supposed to be that yahweh is shepherding his own people which which is emphasizing the the transcendence coming down to to be imminent here it's the imminence is so emphasized that the surprising part is rising up a lamb rising up to be the shepherd of course it's it's two aspects of the same thing <laughs> um in both cases, it's it's Jesus becoming the great shepherd of the sheep. Um, but I yeah I see it 
I see a connection there too. Is is uh, um, the lamb the lamb shepherding them uh, is is just yeah again sort of emphasizing from the other direction the idea in Ezekiel thirty four. 